And we're continuing in our series on Revelation this morning. Uh, I should have a PowerPoint coming up shortly. But um, before we start, let's, uh, let's commit this time to the Lord in prayer. Lord, Father in heaven, I just uh, thank you so much for this day and uh, for lending us breath for one more day, Lord. I just uh, pray that you would open our hearts and our ears, that we would uh, hear your word and respond to it, Lord, that you would uh, mold our lives uh, to conform to your will. I just um, pray that you would give me clarity of speech and clarity of thought, and that I'd be speaking your words and not my own, Lord. I pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. Now, last week, KT led us through chapters 4 and 5, and it was a rather convicting message, I'd say. And at the end of that message, we saw John become undone because no one was able to open the seals on the scroll. That is, until one of the elders told him to stop weeping because there was one worthy to open the seals on the scroll, and that was the Lamb. So let's, uh, let's read our passages this morning. If you turn with me to Revelation chapter 6. We're going through chapter 6 and chapter 7 this morning. And again, the great picture is courtesy of my mom. She found that. That was the only one that was not terrifying to use. So, yeah. Now I watched when the Lamb opened the seven seal, one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures say with a voice like thunder, Come! And I looked, and behold, a white horse, and its rider had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he came out conquering and to conquer. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come! And out came another horse, bright red, and its rider was permitted to take peace from the earth, so that people should slay one another. And he was given a great sword. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come. And I looked, and behold, a black horse. And its rider had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard what seemed to be a voice in the midst of the four living creatures say, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius. And do not harm the oil and the wine. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and its rider's name was Death, and Hades followed him. And they were given the authority over the, f- the earth to kill with the sword, uh, given authority over the fourth of the earth to kill with the sword and with famine and with pestilence and by the wild beasts of the earth. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for their witnesses they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete who were to be killed as they themselves had been. When he opened the sixth seal, I looked, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth, and the full moon became like blood and the stars of the sky fell onto the earth as a fig tree sheds its winter fruit when shaken by a gale the sky vanished like a scroll that was being rolled up and every mountain and island was removed from its place then the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful 
And everyone, slave and free, hid themselves in the caves among the rocks and the mountains, calling for the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For that great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? After this, I saw four angels uh, standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth that no wind might blow on the earth or the sea or against any tree. And then I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun with the seal of the living God. And he called with a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm the earth and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of the sealed, 144,000, sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. 12,000 from, tr- 12, from the tribe of Judah were sealed, 12,000 from the tribe of Reuben, 12,000 from the tribe of Gad, 12,000 from the tribe of Asher, 12,000 from the tribe of Naphtali, 12,000 from the tribe of Manasseh, 12,000 from the tribe of Z- Simeon, 12,000 from the tribe of Levi, 12,000 from the tribe of Ishkar, 12,000 from the tribe of Zebulun, 12,000 from the tribe of Joseph, and 12,000 from the tribe of Benjamin were sealed. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, all tribes, and peoples, and language, were standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell on their faces before the throne of God and worshiped, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these clothed in white robes, and from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they will be before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits upon the throne will shelter them with his presence. And they shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Now, it's really interesting to see that when the first seal is opened, Christ isn't merely reading what's on the scroll. It's actually displayed for John to see and better understand what's going to happen. So the first seal is opened. We see that a, a white horse comes out, and this rider has been given a bow and a crown. Now, there are different views to who this rider is, and one of those views is that it's Christ because of the description given in Revelation 19 at the Battle of Megiddo. But there are two main reasons why I don't think that that description is accurate. First of all, Christ had a sword that was the word of God and not a bow. And second, 
The Greek word that's used here for crown is stephanos, which is the word for a victor's crown, like the crown that they give out at the Olympics, not a ruler's crown. And Christ is referred to in Revelation 19.12 as wearing many diadems, or ruler's crowns, or in the Greek, diadema. That's a ruler's crown. That's the crown that Christ will wear, not a victor's crown, not a crown given to him. Now, the second view is that this represents the Antichrist because he will come and conquer with peace. And this view is taken from the fact of something that's missing from the passage, not that something's there. They see that there's a bow, but there are no arrows mentioned. So obviously, if there are no arrows specifically mentioned, that means he's going to conquer with peace and not with a bow. But... I, I don't agree with that one either. Now the third view is that this is false peace brought by politics and rulers of nations. Now we have seen examples of kingdoms and peoples that have been conquered because they had a false sense of peace and security. And we know that the only true peace comes from Christ. Now, in my opinion, this, this, uh, this view most accurately represents what is being said here. And as far as the four seals go, this is the most obscure. The other are very literal in what they're meaning. So the second seal is open. We see a rider of the red horse. Now... To him has been given the right to take that peace from the earth so that men will slaughter one another. And he has also been given a great sword. This writer represents war. There's going to be war that's going to overtake the earth once that peace has been taken. The third seal. Oh, press the wrong button. It's the green one, right? Okay. All right. There's you. We see that it's a black horse. And in this rider's hand is a scale. This represents famine. Now, we hear a voice call out from the midst of the creatures, and this is this is God speaking. And it's uh, how bad it's going to get a quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius. Now, I had to look this up. I don't know everything, but a denarius <laughs> is actually a day's wages. It was the average worker's day's wages. So a quart of wheat is actually just enough to sustain one person for a day. So enough food for one day for your day's wages. And if you had a family, that wasn't going to be enough. So three quarts of barley, that's barely enough to support three people. And even then, it doesn't have the nutritional value to sustain somebody. So even if you can afford to buy the food, it's not going to sustain you. And this is, this is going to get bad. And there's advice given about how they should act during this time. And do not harm the wine and the oil. Now, oil and wine were common everyday uh, cooking commodities in this time. 
They used it to purify their water. They used it to cook. This was something that they took for granted. And he's warning them, do not take this for granted because it's going to become a luxury instead of a, com- a commodity. So use these things sparingly. Now, this is, this is no surprise. During wartime, we've seen that people have rationed uh, food and supplies. It's, it's a natural result of war that supplies are going to become scarce. Now, a result of war and famine is death. That's natural. And we see that in the fourth seal. The rider comes on a pale horse, and Hades is following after the rider. And he was given a fourth of the earth to kill by the sword, by famine, by pestilence, and by the wild beasts of the earth. Now, like I said, this is a natural progression. There's going to be war. There's going to be famine. There's going to be death. That's just how it's going to happen. But a fourth of the earth. Now, this got me thinking. I'm a mathematical-minded person. Statistics fascinate me. So I went and did a little research, and I just want to present these figures to you. As of 2009, the population of the earth was 6,775,235,700 people. So a fourth of that. Anybody off the top of their head know what a fourth of that is? You do? Oh, okay. Well, Google knows. <laughs> a fourth of that would be 1,693,808,925. That's a big number. But to put it in perspective, that's roughly the population of China. That's a fourth of the earth. This is no small thing. A fourth of the population of the earth is going to be given up to death. Now, we we see that death will use several things to make this happen. The war with the sword, uh, famine, pestilence, and the the wild beasts of the field. I want to make this a little bit uh, clearer for you. Pestilence. Now, when most people think pestilence, or at least when I think pestilence, I think disease. Is that a fair, accurate thing to say? Well, the word in Greek that's used for pestilence is actually the same word that's used for death. So it's a very broad and general term. And yes, it can mean disease, but it can also encompass earthquakes, floods, fires, volcanoes, anything like that can be encompassed by this pestilence. Now, with the opening of the next seal, the focus is taken off of the earth and put back in the throne room of Christ. The opening of the fifth seal. Now, we see a large group of souls calling out from before, uh, below the throne. And these are the martyrs, or the faithful witnesses. Can anyone recall the name of the martyr that was mentioned in the letter to Pergamum? No one? Antipas, my faithful witness. Now, I, I gave that sermon, so 
course, I'm going to remember that. But Now, he can be counted with these souls. They are calling out to the Lord, and I love how they address him. O sovereign Lord, holy and true. I'm going to get off on a little sidetrack like KT did. Is this how we address the Lord? Do we show him this type of respect and reverence when we come to him? Now last week in KT's message, we, uh, we saw the four living creatures crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Now, that's actually used, that repetition is used as a, a sign to show importance to a, a word. Uh, in Hebrew, if a word is repeated, that means that it's, it's important. So when Christ says, truly, truly, it means it's important. You should listen. And the only time that it's repeated three times is when referring to the Lord God Almighty. And when it is repeated three times, it's taken to the superlative level. This is important. God should be shown proper glory and reverence and honor. Are we doing that? Are we approaching him in such a way that is showing him the proper respect and honor and glory? Now, I know I'm lacking when it comes to this. And we, f- we fail at this time and time again. But if there's one thing that we can take away from this study, it's a glimpse of Christ and his glory. We have this laid out so that we can understand who he is and how we should respect him. And also the proper way to worship him. Now we see the martyrs crying out with reverence for the Lord to take vengeance to the ones that did this to them. Now, these are the martyrs that were, that were killed during this time of judgment. And they were told to wait just a little bit longer until their fellow martyrs, the number of their fellow martyrs is completed. The sixth seal is opened. And when we see the sixth seal open, this is, this is the power of God's judgment being poured out on the earth. When he opened the sixth seal, I looked, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sack, sackcloth, and the full moon became like blood, and stars fell on the sky, or the stars of the sky fell on earth as a fig tree sheds its winter fruit, shaken by a gale. The sky vanished like a scroll that is being rolled up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and powerful and everyone, slave and free, hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling out to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us! Hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For that great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? Now we've seen earthquakes like this before, but this is... This is way beyond any of that. This is an earthquake that shakes the earth so that the mountains are moved from their foundation. The smoke, the ash, the dust is so thick that it actually darkens the sun. 
This is what the wrath of God being poured out on the earth looks like. And this is going to be so terrifying that everyone who's still alive during this time is going to run into the mountains, go into a cave, and pray that the rocks fall on them. Can you imagine thinking that it would be better if a mountain fell on you than to endure the wrath of God? I, I can't even think about that right now. But. Now, we see that the seventh seal, there's, there's a delay in the judgment. And it seems like the orders, the chronological order of things that are going to happen is kind of shifted. But this is merely a, a parenthesis on what's going to happen during this time. And we see that there are four angels holding back the winds from the earth. And uh, I say that this is a delay in the judgment because of the way the prophets use the word wind. In Hosea 13:15, they say, Though he may flourish among his brothers, the east wind, the wind of the Lord shall come, rising from the wilderness, and his fountain shall dry up, and his spring shall be parched, and it shall strip his treasury of every precious thing. This wind is God's judgment. This delay is so that the number of the martyrs can be sealed. So we have seen the judgment of the Lord being poured out onto the earth, but it's just a taste of what is to come until this number is sealed. And that number is 144,000. I'm going to spare you from reading this again, but I just want to make sure that you get a visual of this. 144,000. These are going to be the ones that are spared from the destruction of Jerusalem. Now after this, John sees a great multitude in white robes from every nation that no one could number standing before the throne. This is another great look into eternity and how we're going to worship God. After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne, and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessings and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Amen? Amen. Now, I just like how we see the proper form of worship. As KT pointed out last week, as soon as worship turns to us, it's not worship anymore. It's all about God. It's all about Him, and we need to keep that in mind. Now, one of the elders asked John who these people are. And of course, John doesn't know this. He doesn't know who this is. But this is so that the elder can explain who these people are. There are some things that have been revealed and some things that get explained during Revelation. 
And this is one of them. Others do not. But these are the martyrs that come out of the great tribulation. Now, I want to take a second and explain what I'm about to say next. I personally hold to the premillennialist view and the pre-rapture or pre-tribulation rapture. Now, this is not to say that the other uh, views of uh, postmillennialism or amillennialism are wrong. There are places in the Bible where it looks like those are being taught. But in my mind, this makes the most sense. So I just wanted to say, I'm not condemning those other things. I'm just saying this is what I hold to. Now, in that view, these martyrs come out of the Great Tribulation. So these are the, these are the ones that are converted after the rapture. And it's just amazing to see that so many people will come to the Lord after uh, the rest of the believers are taken away to be with God for, in glory. And these people, after going, what, going through what they went through in the tribulation, they've seen that the, wor- the worst of what humanity has to offer and now they will be in God's presence forevermore. Therefore, they, share, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. And they will hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The shun, sun will sh- uh, shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So what what can we take away from this? We should praise him and give him glory and honor due to his name. As I mentioned, this is this is a reoccurring theme in this book. The worship of God, the proper worship of God. We get the glimpses into heaven and Christ in his glory, and we need to make sure that we do not dilute that image. We need to make sure that we are seeing him as he is. He is described as being like sun shining in its full power. There is lightning around his throne. We should give him the praise and the honor and the glory that he is due. We can take comfort in him. We have seen the wrath of God poured out in these chapters. And this is the most terrifying thing that anybody could go through, is the wrath of God. But if he is for us, who can be against us? Even if we're persecuted in this life, it is for his name and is nothing compared to the glory that we will see in, his, in him in eternity. We are to remain faithful and endure to the end. This is not an option. We need to learn from the churches, the seven churches, go back to our first love and not be lukewarm. We need to be strong. We need to be in, endure. We need to seek the will of God in our life. We need to be faithful and we need to finish the race. 
Lord, Father in heaven, I just thank you so much for this day again. I just thank you that you have given this book to us so that we may understand what will happen in the future, Lord. I just uh, I thank you for your justice and your holiness, Lord. I pray that we would uh, properly give you the respect and glory and reverence that you are due, Lord. I pray that you would uh, change our hearts and uh, change our minds on, on who you are and how we should worship you, Lord. I thank you and praise you in your son's holy name. Amen.